0: All right, so in the last month or so, we have talked about being a church committed to a number of things. Number one, we decided the Bible was going to be our standard. We want to be committed to the Word of God. And then after that, we looked at we want to be a church committed to fellowship. That is, we have a new community of faith. We want to be together. We want to be family. We have to get to know one another. We want to be a church that actually breaks bread together, have each other into our homes. I've challenged you to to begin to do that, and we're all thinking towards how we can have people in our homes, how we can have meals together, how can we really do life together. And then last week we talked about being a church committed to prayer. And we're getting all these from Acts chapter 2 as the new church formed there. These are the things they gave themselves to. Today we're talking about being a church committed to evangelism. And the reason we're doing that is not because it mentioned explicitly in the text, but as you look at all of the book of Acts, they were taking the gospel to those that didn't know it. They were already beginning to do it even then. And so we're talking about being a church committed to evangelism. Now, when I say the word evangelism, how many of you think that's a bad word? And if you listen to the news or pay attention to the culture, it is a bad word to them these days. And for many of you, it's bad for different reasons. How many of you, when I say the word evangelism, begin to kind of shake and get a little nervous? right? Because we've been told all of our lives, hey, evangelism is something that Christians are supposed to do. You need to come to this evangelism outreach, come to this, and we begin to get nervous about that. What does it mean to do evangelism? Why do I have to talk to someone? Uh, After all, if you begin to go out into the, the culture today, go out in the community and ask some people what they think about evangelism, specifically Ask them about door to door evangelism just to really get them hot. Okay? They're going to begin to get very nervous and say, first of all, isn't religion kind of a private thing? Religion's personal. Maybe you should just leave me alone. Or maybe they're even a Christian sometimes and they'll say, yeah, but we should leave other people alone. Let them believe what they believe. And we get very comfortable with that. How many of you were raised in an environment where you said, in polite company, you don't talk about religion or what? Politics. You know why they told you that? Because they didn't want fights at your family dinner. Right? They didn't want people disagreeing. They didn't want people arguing. And so they begin to train us up. And so from an early age, we learned, hey, there's some things we just don't talk about. You don't talk about it at work. You know why you don't talk about it at work? Because you might lose clients, right? What if they get upset that you have talked about your religion to them. You know, it can be awkward talking to someone and people might not agree with you. Again, why can't we just live and let live? Well, let me start with this. Somebody tell me, well, you don't have to tell me. You don't have to answer today. This isn't Sunday night. On Sunday night, I expect answers. But what is evangelism? Well, let me tell you this. It is a. It is actually a Latin version of a Greek word that is, Euangelion. And you say, well, what in the world does that mean? Why are we talking about that? What does evangel mean in evangelism? Well, you take the first word, the prefix you, and it means good. You take the other word, and it sounds kind of like angelos, which is our word for angel, which means a messenger. And what you really, if you were breaking that down, you get it's a good message. It's good news. It's good tidings. When the angels came after Jesus' birth, and the angels come to the shepherds in the field, you know what they announced to them? Good news. It's the same word. It's evangelism, right? It's simply the sharing of good news. How is it that we've been so convinced that telling people good news is bad? But we have been, haven't we? If, if we are honest with ourselves, we get so hesitant to talk about our faith with unbelievers, Church, is supposed to be good news. There, by the way, there's, there's a noun form of the gospel. The word gospel comes from that same word, the good news. Isn't it the good news of salvation? The good news that Christ has loved you, that Christ has provided a way for you to be reconciled with God, for you to go to heaven. That is a great news. It's fantastic. There's never been better news, but yet we're convinced it's bad news. How many of you are old enough to remember the Publisher's Clearing House? Yeah. So as a kid, I didn't even know what the organization did. I still really don't. But here's what I know. I always saw them on TV. There's some uh, nice person sitting in their house, unsuspecting, going about their day, probably hoping nobody knocks on their door. And the next thing you know, somebody's knocking on their door. And they look outside, and there's this guy with a check that's about this big, right? You guys remember this. It's got all the different amounts of money. And by the way, apparently they still do this. I didn't realize it, but it's still at least on the Internet like they do it. So I'm telling you, I don't care how grouchy I was, if I was still in my pajamas, if they walked through all the mud in my yard on their way in, if I don't care if I have a no soliciting sign on my door. If they show up and somebody knocks on my door and I look outside and they have one of those big old checks, I'm inviting them in. (laughs) I want them to come in my house. I want to talk to them because that is good news, isn't it? Right? If Publisher Clearinghouse shows up tomorrow, nobody's complaining when they get that check. But here is the thing. We have news that is much better and much more valuable than any check that anyone could ever write. And that is why evangelism is something, it should be a good thing for us. And so I want us just to begin thinking about it differently, all right? We can't let the culture convince us that it's not okay to talk about anything. And let me ask you this. Do people try to convince you that their views are right all the time? They do, don't they? Is it really any different than saying, yeah, you know, I mean, politely, but saying, hey, you know, evangelism, you know, Jesus died on the cross to save you. Is that really such bad news? Is it re- Should it be offensive to anyone? It shouldn't. Now, we know it is because we know we live in a lost world and people see things differently than us sometimes. But we're going to go back and talk about this, and we're going to get into the Bible in a minute. I'm a, a little, usually we get right into the Scripture. We're kind of talking this morning. But listen, let me give you a definition of evangelism, okay? I'm pulling this definition out of the Foundations document, which is kind of the governing document of the International Mission Board these days, um, I think they know a little bit about evangelism. And here's what it says, in this very simple definition. Evangelism is the proclamation of the gospel and the power of the Holy Spirit with the aim of persuading people to repent and believe in Christ. We make a lot of evangelism sometimes. What is it? It's simply the proclamation, which is, by the way, just a way of saying an announcement of explaining to someone what the gospel is. In other words, you tell them how it is that they can be saved, which, by the way, isn't that complicated. In fact, most people get hung up on how simple the message actually is. Well, just go ask them, what do you have to do to get into heaven? And you'll begin to understand that they've made the gospel something that isn't. But we want to explain the gospel in the power of the Holy Spirit. And this is the part that makes us nervous with the aim of persuading people to repent, turn from their unbelief, and be saved. Isn't that the goal? They always told us with the IMB that evangelism is not a presentation. And here's what I mean by that. If all you do is give facts, you say, here's what the gospel is. Okay, we're all sinners. Jesus lived a sinless life. He died on the cross for the penalty of your sin. If you believe in him, you'll be saved. Okay, that's we, we got most of it, right? But in the scripture, there's always a call to turn from your unbelief and believe, to be saved because this is the day of salvation. And I know we we get nervous with that word persuasion because we start thinking, well, Are we really trying to coerce people? Are we like yanking their arm and twisting their arm and saying, hey, would you come to faith in Christ? Well, that's not it, isn't it? You know, the Apostle Paul says, I didn't come to you adulterating the word of God. And he talks about his conduct. Listen, he came and spoke the simple message of the gospel and trusted the Holy Spirit to do the work. Is there anything wrong with that? There's not. That's what we have been called to do. And you, if you go out and listen, listen. there's a lot of people that would love to make evangelism illegal. And I'm not even talking about on the political level. Just go, again, just go ask people that aren't in church. Ask them about it and they say, well, I really don't think it should be allowed that someone comes and tries to teach this stuff. I, it's not right that you're taking advantage of the older ladies in the community and trying to take their money. And that's what I hear all the time. Well, church, is that what we're trying to do? And we know the truth, and we cannot let them convince us otherwise. So we talked a little bit about this definition of evangelism, what it means. I want to ask you something. Is it okay to try to get somebody to believe the gospel? And why is it important? Well, listen to this. This is Acts chapter 4, verse 12. It says this, There is salvation in no one else, For there's no other name under heaven that has been given among men by which we must be saved. In other words, as we get into that verse, what we discover is there's just one way to get to heaven. There's just one Savior, one mediator between God and man, one that could pay the price for our sin, one that could save us and reconcile us to God. There's just one name. And if there's just one name and it's just about Jesus then shouldn't we be proclaiming that message to everyone? Isn't that, again, worth more than that check from the publisher's clearinghouse? It's worth having that extra visitor come in your house, isn't it? According to, to Romans 6.23, the gift of God is eternal life in Christ Jesus. Last week, Last Sunday night, we studied in Ephesians that salvation is also a gift, that we are saved by grace through faith, Listen, all we are doing in evangelism is offering people the gift of salvation. Listen, if you bought a Christmas present for your neighbor, would you apologize when you got to their house to give it to them? I'm sorry, sir. I got you this gift. I was thinking of you, and I just thought you might want this present. Do you think that they would be like, I can't believe that jerk of a neighbor of mine brought me a Christmas present? Is that how it works? No, it's a free gift. It doesn't work that way. It's a good thing. Now, all that said, I think we need to persuade people of the gospel. But let me ask you this. Can you coerce somebody? Can you actually force somebody to be a Christian? If tomorrow your favorite politician became president, whoever that may be, and they made a law and said everybody in the United States of America must be a Christian. Would it change anything? It wouldn't. Because a law will not change the hearts of people. But you know what will change the hearts of people? Evangelism. Preaching rightly, explaining the gift of salvation to a lost world. And you know why that is? Because God has chosen the foolishness of the preaching to shame the wise. He's chosen this message. This is his avenue, his instrument that he's decided, I'm going to use this message, which seems foolish to the world, through weak vessels, through people like myself and like you. He says, I want them to take the message to the world and I'm going to work through the Spirit to work and do this work in their hearts. It is the power of God that brings people to salvation. And so we see that in evangelism. Church, turn with me to Matthew chapter 28. We're going to look at verses 18 through 20 this morning. You've been sitting a while, so would you stand with me in honor of the reading of God's Word. Reading from Matthew chapter 28, starting verse 18. And Jesus came up and spoke to them, saying, All authority has been given to me in heaven and on earth. Go therefore and make disciples of all the nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit, teaching them to observe all that I commanded you. And lo, I am with you always, even to the end of the age. Amen. Church, you may be seated. Verse 18 begins with a statement of authority. Jesus says that all authority has been given to him. Authority not just here in, on the earth, but also in heaven. So all authority that is, no matter where you go, belongs to Jesus. Every knee will bow at the name of Jesus. And what that means is he has the right to give us this assignment, and he has the power to carry it out. And so we see that in verse 18. The king of kings has given Stephen over there a job. He's given Mr. Leon and Miss Linda a job. He's given us all a task in the church and in his kingdom. And part of that, as we're going to see, is given to us here in the text. So what is the job? In verse 19 it says, Go therefore and make disciples of all the nations. Now, it seems like an awful hard job for one person, doesn't it? But what we mean is that every people group, every tribe, every tongue out there deserves or should be able to hear the gospel preached to them. But the task begins not with the International Mission Board, not with any sort of missions organization, but it begins with us as a church and individually as we are called to go and make disciples of all the nations. Now, anybody know what a disciple is? A student, right? A student. So we have the master is Jesus, and his disciples studied with him for several years. They followed him around. They watched what he did. They watched his life, how he carried himself. They probably even paid attention to what he was eating. When Jesus went out to pray, guess what they learned? Hey, if he goes out by himself to pray the Father, maybe I need to begin to pray. They learned his word. They learned his teaching. They also learned his ways, how he Comported himself, how he behaved. Well, church, we're not here just to make converts. We're not here to go out and do evangelism and see someone come to Christ and then say, All right, that's good. You check the box. The task is to make disciples. In other words, we want to bring someone in so they would begin to read the scriptures. Learn it. Learn that what Jesus has commanded. We're going to get, I'm getting ahead of myself a little bit. And then they're supposed to learn to obey Christ and live with Him for the rest of their lives, and we do this together. And you say, well, what does that have to do with evangelism? How do you become a disciple? Can you become a student of Jesus without first being reborn? Without having the gospel preached to you? where you come and you believe and the Spirit does His work and you are regenerated, made into a new creature, where now you really can begin to walk with Him. Making disciples is what the church is really about. All of us are to be disciples and to be making disciples. And that goes for our entire lives, but the starting point happens when we believe. And people will not believe if we don't share the gospel to them with them. Think about how you heard the gospel. How is it that you heard it and you got saved? Most likely, someone came. Maybe it was in a Sunday school class. Maybe it was in your home. But somebody opened up the Bible and explained the gift of God for you. The way of salvation was opened up. You placed your faith in him and said, Jesus, I know I'm a sinner. Please save me. And guess what he did? He did, because he died on that cross just to do that. So occasionally, someone might believe through the written word. Occasionally, might, someone might have a very interesting testimony. I knew I have met people that solely heard the gospel on the Internet in chat rooms. People that, that just didn't know what Christianity, Christianity was decided to look it up and found the answers online. I've met people like that, but that's not the case for the majority of us. And God has an ordained means to do it and it was through evangelism. Now, it says here, the task, the job is to go and make disciples of all the nations. Again, I I want us to think back small. Where does that begin? It begins at Forest Heights Community for us. It begins in the neighborhood where you live with your neighbors and your family and your friends that you are already connected to. I understand that sharing the gospel with them could be hard, but the consequences of not sharing the gospel is even harder. So I urge you to begin to think about your friends and your family and think about how it is that you can be sharing the good news with them. How can you bring them in so that they would be disciples to have true life? Don't you realize that? Jesus is the way, the truth, and the life. That true life comes through knowing Him and walking with Him. And isn't that what we want for our community? Isn't that what we want for our loved ones? Well, it takes evangelism. It takes the awkward conversations. It takes putting ourselves out there. Speak gently. Speak with love, but speak persuasively. When we come to faith, look at down in verse 19 again. It says, Go, therefore, and make disciples of all the nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit, we, again, we've talked about baptism already in, the, in previous weeks. I've mentioned it a few times. But baptism really is the moment when we begin. Well, let me take that. Let me, let me rephrase what I was about to say. Baptism is a symbol. It is a, it is a reminder to us and a confession to everyone that we believe in Christ. When we go under that water, Again, we, sh- we are telling everyone, we share in His death. When we r- are raised up out of that water, it is a symbol to say, we will share in His resurrection. We are now in Christ. It is an announcement to the church. I am found in Him. And here's what that means. That is entry point to fellowship with the church. Didn't we say we wanted to be a church committed to fellowship? Well, how do you join? You place your faith in Him. You get baptized. You you do it right here. We get we move that tarp, and we get a beautiful cross that I hear is back there. I've been told that there's a cross on the wall. I haven't seen it. I actually did see it the first time I came. I think. But so listen, we want that's what we want. We want to see people come and get baptized. And you know what I've noticed is weak in my evangelism. I'm quick to share the gift of God. I want to share the plan of salvation. I'm hesitant to tell people, hey, you need to get baptized. But the Scripture says you need to repent, believe, and get baptized, that those things should go together pretty closely. And so I want to urge you to not be afraid to speak out on that. And People say, well, my church, we baptize this way or this way. Either way, shouldn't we be talking about baptism? Because the Lord has commanded it of us. But listen, when we are baptized into the name of the Father, the Son, the Holy Spirit, You know, we don't get just fellowship with the church. The point is you are now found in God and you have fellowship with him. Christ calls you a friend. God the Father calls you a son. The Spirit comes to dwell inside of you so that you would continue to grow. So we are to make disciples of all the nations. Bring everyone to the feet of Jesus to sit and learn from him. That we would have fellowship with God and fellowship with one another. And you say, well, what do we do with these disciples? What do we do? We, we bring them in. They come into the church. What do we do? Are we done? Verse 20 says, teach them to observe all that I commanded you. It's isn't like a 10 class kind of thing where you can learn everything you need to know about what it means to follow Jesus. Some of you have been following Jesus a lot longer than I've been alive. Guess what? There's still things to learn. I'm not going to call you out, Miss Pat, cause you, just because you're pointing at yourself. I guess I just named her, right? Listen, there's something for all of us to continue to learn. This never ends that we are being a disciple, is it? We're always going to continue to grow, always going to continue to learn more about who he is, always to be about the task of making disciples. There's always, this never goes away. This job has been given to us for life and there's nothing in this passage about retiring from that. Pastor Wes, I know you retired recently, but you know, that's only from the the part where you get paid. Yeah. <laughs> the job never goes away for any of us. Once we come into His family, we're there. We're in His family. And He wants us to be disciples and also making disciples. And I'm praying that that in the coming year we'll continue to grow as disciples, but I'm also praying that we'll have people in that baptismal pool. I'm praying for opportunities to share the gospel, praying for lives to be changed, praying for people to come and know Him, praying that they would get baptized as a sign, of act of obedience of faith. We're supposed to teach them to live out the Word of God. He said to command them... I. Look look in verse 20. Teach them to observe all that I commanded. What do we call that? How do we know all that Jesus commanded? It's in the book. It's in the Bible. Well, didn't we talk about being a church committed to the word? That's why. So that we would understand the commands and what Christ has taught us. So we'd understand not just salvation, but how to live. You want to be blessed by God? doesn't mean life will be easy, but do you want to do things that are pleasing to him? Do you want to please the master? If you do, read the book and follow it. You can't just listen to it. You've got to learn it and be committed to it. So we wanted to be a church committed to the word of God. And right here it's telling us, do that. We want to be a church committed to fellowship. And here it says, listen, we're baptizing people in the name of the Father, the Son, the Spirit. We're bringing them in to should go to the last part, the very last part of verse 20. Some of us, we come to evangelism with fear and trepidation. And we think, we tell ourselves, they're never going to change. They don't want to hear the message. They're never going to believe it. Ever thought that? Look at the end of verse 20. This is Jesus talking. It says, And lo, I am with you always, even to the end of the age. Church, we live in the last age. We've been in the last age since Jesus' ascension, at least since the resurrection, depending on who's counting when the last age began. But it began. And we are in it. And sometimes we are tempted to look at at the signs of the time or how things are going bad, and we get really pessimistic. We just think, what can we do? This says Jesus is promising us, saying, look, I will be with you to the end of the age. He said, I have authority, all authority in heaven and on earth. I am the king of kings. I'm giving you a job. I want you to make disciples of all the nations. And then he said, he followed that up with, I will be with you to the end of the age. So when, when Brother John goes out doing his homeless ministry and he tells them the good news, Is he alone? He certainly isn't. God is there. Christ is with him. When we go out into the community and we begin to talk to people about their faith, as we challenge them to believe, do we do it alone? We don't. In the coming months, there are going to be, I believe, many opportunities for evangelism, for sharing our faith with others. And we want to do it as much as we can. Sure, we want to do it in a culturally appropriate way. Sure, we we don't want to just be out there just to offend somebody. But church, I want us to go with the promise of God. And he said, make disciples of all the nations. And it begins with telling them about Jesus. And we can do it because he has promised that we can. That's why I have faith for what God can do at Forest Heights Baptist Church. It is not about me. It's not because I look at you guys and just think, man, they are just incredible. Although I like you. Listen, you are incredible. But listen, the point is the power isn't in you. And it's not in me. It's in Christ who lives in us. It is Christ who has promised that he would be with us us to the end of the age. Church evangelism is not the final goal of the church. I know we say that and we keep preaching it, and I'm talking about evangelism today, and some of you had evangelism drilled into you so much that, again, it makes you nervous. You feel guilty because you think, well, I haven't done it enough. The church, the final goal, is for us to be a church where all the members are disciples of Christ a church that is actively making disciples of others. We want to be a church where we are learning the Bible, learning about Jesus, growing together in knowledge and obedience to the Master. If we're obeying Him, we'll begin to reach out. If we love Him, we'll begin to love other people. If we treasure the gospel, we'll proclaim it from the rooftops. We won't hide it. We won't hide it under a a basket. We'll take that lamp out and shine it because we want people to hear the good news. Evangelism is an essential activity of the church if we want to be faithful. Again, we're going to have a lot of opportunities in this community, and you know it. The world needs this message. And when you go out, guess what? Jesus goes with you. So we need to make sure we're doing that. I'm going to say one last thing about evangelism. It's going to make some of you uncomfortable. Proclaiming the good news. Telling people about Jesus isn't just for professionals. It's not for the pastor. I, mean, I don't even consider myself a professional. That's Wes. He's been at this a lot longer than I have. But listen, it takes all of us actively serving in the church. Each of us has to have a role to play, and we all have to be about the God, sharing the gospel with our, the lost. You know why? I don't know your friends. And I don't know your relatives. And they're not here this morning, so I can't talk to them. But i tell you what, I'll make you a deal. If it makes you nervous sharing the gospel with them, invite me over. You set up the appointment, and we'll come and we'll do this together. Or you come and we'll set up a deacon. Or... We'll set you up with with Wes. He'll come all the way back from Baldwin to share the gospel with somebody. I guarantee if you tell any preacher that's worth anything, if I've got a friend, I need you to share Jesus with him. I've already set up the appointment. Would you come? They will be there because that's joyous news. It's the best part of our job, us getting to share the gospel and getting to see lives changed by it. And so I urge you just to take advantage of that. Use me. Use Brother Rip, use so many of them of, of us here and many of you who've been trained over and over again in your lives to share the good news. Let's do this together. You don't have to do it by yourself. We can do it in teams. We can do it in, in pairs. We can do it with threes, whatever you want to do. Let's get together and make the world know who Jesus is. We have to be equipped to do it. Church, I'm going to in just a moment, I'm going to pray. And ask Brother West to come up and, and lead us in this time of invitation. But as we pray, I want you to think about, have those people in your mind, your loved ones, your neighbors, the people you come in contact with. and I want you to be praying, God, give me an opportunity to give them the gift of salvation. It's already been paid for. It's free. Pray for opportunities for you to be able to share with them. Pray with me. Father, this morning, I thank you for the great commission. I thank you that that you have promised, not just given us a job, but you have promised that you would go with us to do it. Father, I thank you for that. I thank you for your goodness and your kindness towards us. I thank you that salvation really is a free gift, that there's nothing we could do to earn it, but you have made us alive together with Christ. And Father, I thank you for that. Father, I pray this morning that each of us would have five unbelievers on our mind. Loved ones, relatives, and neighbors, and co-workers that don't know you. And Father, I pray as you bring them to mind, God, I, I ask that you would give each of us an opportunity to meet with those people. Father, help us to reach out to the community, to do evangelism to realize it's not a bad word, it's not a burden, but, Father, that we would be full of joy, that we would go and speak with gladness and sincerity of heart. Father, that we would just bubble forth with the gospel. Father, that the the Holy Spirit would speak through us. Father, would you use us this week. Father, I pray in the coming months that you would impact this community, that many, many people in Forest Heights would come to know you. Father, would you do this work of salvation. Even now, go forth. Go before us with the Holy Spirit. Be working in the hearts of men that they'd be ready to receive the gospel when we come. Oh, Lord, I pray that we would come there. Father, I pray that we would take forth the good news to to the lost. God, I pray this in Jesus' name. Amen.